All right, everybody, welcome to the 353rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage. So, those of you that know, I I, I spend my September organizing a multicultural event in Medford, Oregon. So today I was driving down from Portland, Oregon to uh to Medford, and I got a few text messages from an excited Dustin. So I was like, okay, I parked to get gas. What what is this? Holy shit, we have to do a podcast to talk about the Damian Lillard trade. So we are here. I'm at my mom's house. She's annoyed with me because I have been talking about uh, her Hallmark movies and how I don't see that much representation in them. So I was complaining about that until Dustin hopped into the Zoom so we can talk about this Damian Lillard trade. So I'm I'm very excited. And uh, this is the first time that I'm recording in my... Uh, the office of my mother's house. So usually I'm in my bedroom, but I, I forgot my charging cord. So my laptop was out of commission. So we're we're on the big boy computer right now. So really if I, can, if I can give one piece of advice, it's never step in front of a mom in their Hallmark movies. <laughs> you just don't do it. That that's like that should I, be written in stone. Like that should be one of the Ten Commandments, honestly. Like maybe move out one of the other ones and just bump this one in because like Moms and grandmas, they get down with the Hallmark movies, and uh, you just got to let them ride. You got to let them enjoy what they enjoy. Uh, so I, I, this will obviously be recorded, but my, my mom's deep into the Hallmark game. She has a Hallmark blanket on her on her chair next to the computer. So again, she's deep in the Hallmark game, deep in the HGTV game. I think that I, uh, I, I she obviously loves me and likes that I'm at home, but I definitely do interrupt her HGTV time and her... Uh, um her hallmark time i I don't like that people that make like a hundred thousand dollars have like million dollar expectations on their housing so i i voiced that so come for the damian lillard trade analysis stay for some true gems about (laughs) how to take care of your moms yeah exactly I mean, I know that she agrees with my lack of diversity in hallmark films but But you can still enjoy the product I, I I don't because I think it's dumb, but you know it's better than watching the Republican debate. So, good job to her. God damn. All right, Sage. Let's uh, dive into this uh, before we really get into it. I mean, we're gonna break down the the full entire trade. The the Milwaukee Bucks obviously get Damian Lillard. The Phoenix Suns get Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, and Grayson Allen. The Portland Trailblazers get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks, and unprotected pick swaps first round from the Milwaukee Bucks sandwiched around that 2029. So in 2028 and in 2030, uh, for our listeners out there, an unprotected pick swap means if the Bucks end up winning the lottery in 2028 or 2030 and we have the 27th pick or the... 30th pick we get the swap like it's 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 almost like a yankee swap in in the office right for the office christmas party you want that ipod no you get to grab it, it doesn't matter what what present you have you you're on deck to grab that ipod that michael uh bought ryan and portland gets to do that in 2028 and 2030 while fully controlling the draft in in 2029 and when you look at it Dame's going to be 38 in 2028. Giannis will be 34 
uh, who and doesn't really have a game that looks like it's going to age super gracefully just because it's predicated on so much athleticism and power and force at the moment. And you got to think Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez will probably have retired uh, by then. And this is a team. Remember, they gave up a lot of first round assets to get Drew Holiday. And now they're giving up what they have left and future assets to get Damian Lillard. So they they don't they have not their far if this was baseball, their farm system would be completely depleted and dried up. There is no infusion of talent coming in to the Milwaukee Bucks. Their roster is what their roster is. So if I mean it, it's a great move for them to go all in now, but there is nothing left uh after you know a couple years from now, right? And then Portland is really going to be salivating hoping that those picks, hoping that Milwaukee as a traditionally a non-great free agency destination continues to stay that way and they can kind of reap those rewards. You know, five years from now, when you're looking at a 25-year-old Sharp, you're looking at a, you know, 29-year-old Aiton, you're looking at a 24-year-old Scoot Henderson. It's almost like if, if the Blazers are to be where we expect them to be in five years, it's almost like when that Pistons team in 2004 won the finals. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, by the way, you're getting the number two overall pick in the 2003 draft, right? Yep. Where they could have added Wade, Bosch, or Mello. They didn't, but they could have. They had that pick opportunity, and that would have set them up. I mean, that was, that's like essentially getting generational wealth. Yep. So this is what Portland is building for. They're looking for the future. They say there's no chance on God green, God's green earth that we are contending anytime soon. We want to develop our young guards, uh, take a swing on a former number one overall pick, upgrade the center position, and really see how they can finally build sustainably through the draft. And, oh, by the way, now we have a little bit of war chest filled with assets that if that perfect player at that perfect position fits and he's available, we have the means to go out and acquire that player other than standing on the sideline, which we have done so many times in years past, trying to build around Damian Lillard. And it it failed, which is why we are at where we are today. Um, And clearly, the trade's been announced, but uh, nearly immediately after the the news broke, Woj said Portland is is going to gauge the market for Drew Holiday, 33 years old, uh, has a player option for the upcoming season at about $40 million. So, a pseudo uh, unrestricted free agent, but not really. It just depends on how things go. And, you know, you don't know how much gas Drew has left in the tank. So he's definitely going to want to play for a contender. And, you know, what I've read online is that, you know, Milwaukee gets Dame and now it's kind of like an arms race, probably out East because you have the best thing to go up against Damian Lillard in Andrew holiday. So you've got to imagine those heavy hitters in the East, some in the West are going to, going to want to uh, re-up and kind of try to keep up with with the Bucks. So the trade, we I, I don't think we're going to give any grades, Sage. It's still incomplete. We have to see what the Blazers get for Drew Holiday. But at first glance, when you called me, I told you what we got. You've had a while to let it kind of marinate. Yeah. How do you feel about this trade? It's finally here. Um, it feels like we've been waiting for ages for that that notification, and, and it comes through. It's obviously the end of an era, but after you know six eight hours, how do you, how do you feel? I mean, 
the first thing I thought of was like, oh, the Sixers better be calling about Drew Holiday because that that reunion, like if Damian Lillard's there, I feel like the Sixers or one of those other te- like Heat level uh, uh, teams would want him. But you know, it, it is an end of an era, and I feel like if the they do right by Drew and get players that can help Shaden Sharp and uh, Scoot Henderson, I think this is a great trade all around. Obviously, Dame is going to be on the best team that he's ever been on with all of these old vets. And then we get draft assets in, in the later part of the 2020, uh, 2030. So it's like war chest for when we're, when our guys are legitimate vets, we'll get young infusions of talent. So I think that's, you know, what we, we wanted. We wanted those late picks, you know. We, you and I both have issues with Aiton and his, you know, acceptance of roles and participating when things get tough and, you know, but if we can develop that, that, that team around him to inspire him and empower him to play well, I think that he is a really great center for Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. I know that he isn't going to provide the shooting value yet but i think as bigs get older you look at brooke lopez for instance he developed that shooting game if ayton can develop some sort of outside jumper i think that would help but i'm i'm really excited to see potential pick and roll defense with them because scoot henderson is someone who fights for those extra yards defensively he'll fight through screens having a guy with the movement ability of deandre ayton to be able to switch and do all those things that you know Roy Rogers wanted to do with our schemes. Like he put Yusuf Nurkic, who isn't the most fleet of foot guy in positions where, you know, it was a net negative for him trying to, you know, full switch on the De- uh, De'Aaron Fox, for instance, that's not going to help. That's not going to happen. But you have the guy that outside of Bam out of bio, I think his movement skills are pretty damn elite. That's why he was the first overall pick was because he moved well. So having him defensively there is going to be really cool to see what, you know, the Blazers scheme. And we all, they always talked about how they're going to be good defensively. You have a center that's pretty much perfect in what they're trying to do defensively. And then offensively, I mean, it's run through pick and roll. I think Scoot Henderson is going to create a lot of easy points for DeAndre Hayton on the pick and roll. So I'm totally cool with that. Obviously we don't know what Drew Holiday is and, you know, we were, we were doing the first round picks research we weren't looking at the 56th pick of the of the second round so uh i, I don't really know anything about uh Kamara, but yeah let's let's go back we'll, we'll break this down you've obviously we'll, we'll talk about potential uh rerouting destinations for holiday and what would make sense we'll talk about the value of later later picks in the first round but i think let's start with deandre ayton i think you did a really nice job breaking down his game i watched some film of him uh, while Adrian was was napping during my, my lunch break. And the thing that really pops with, with Aiton is his finishing ability. And the biggest knock on Yusuf Nurkic was his inability to finish around the rim, whether it was with verticality after the leg injury took his athleticism away from him or just the lack of touch. He, I swear after the Nurk fever, of 2017 it was it was like russell westbrook misses sometimes he just completely had no feel for the rim and where he was and it was it, it was pretty maddening and 
I think if you look at Aiton, just the Aiton aspect, I think you could grade because Portland, that, that deal could have been done in a vacuum without Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. What they gave up. I mean, I don't think Grayson Allen was really the difference in Phoenix making that move or not. And, you know, you're upgrading the center position. He is a fantastic finisher vertically uh, above the rim. Uh, he runs to the rim. He sets strong screens. Um, he does what I noticed coming out of Arizona and really the, I believe his first preseason game ever was against the Blazers. And I remember watching him play and I was like, this guy's going to be really, really good. He was hitting middies. I mean, he just was getting the ball in the triple threat and he really wasn't hesitating and slowly, but surely his role kind of diminished in Phoenix. And uh, I don't know if maybe Monty Williams, uh, you know, Monty, able. you know, it's Monty. You know, it's Monty really wasn't able to get through to him. Um, and I think this is really where there, there's there's two, two people in the organization that, fair or not, I think will determine whether Portland gets the most out of DeAndre Ayton, and that's Chauncey Billups. He needs to push the right buttons to get this guy motivated. It's never a good look when Jock Landell is getting crunch time playoff minutes over you in, in the postseason. <clears throat> and then it's Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson is tailor-made to run, pick, and roll. He needs to become BFFs with DeAndre Ayton from day one. Big fella, you're going to eat. You're going to eat early. You're going to eat often. DeAndre is your stereotypical big. You get him involved early. He's going to go He's gonna go to war with you down the stretch. He's going to rebound. He's going to defend. But he, he has to feel wanted. He has to feel needed. He has to feel like he is involved. And yes, there are players like that. And most of them Tyson Chandler for one, man, they're, they're centers. They they want to, they don't just want to stand around, but he does. He doesn't want to stand around three point line. He wants the ball. He wants a, a more expanded role. And I think if there's a team that is willing to risk an expanded role on Deandre eight, and it's the Portland Trailblazers, we're really just trying to figure out who we are right now. We're hoping DA can be part of a, of a big three or, a big four down the stretch and he is a young center that can grow with this core, but you know, Scoot Henderson's he's a prototypical pass first. He he can score and make no mistake, but he is going to probably dictate the offense. He's going to run tempo and operate his, at his own speed. I think he is the, the next generation Chris Paul type of point guard. And it's going to be on him to really, Make sure that the mouths that need to be fed on Portland, they're full. Their bellies are full, right? You got Shaden, you got Ant, you got Jeremy, and now you got got Da. And he, it's it's a lot for a nineteen year old, but I mean that's why he's a, a point guard prodigy, and that's why Portland was able to risk really everything in, in drafting him because they, they felt so strongly about his capabilities. But I, I really want to see him dominate the glass. Um, I want to see a little bit more fire from him defensively, but I do love his mobility. I mean, even as all of the the critics and any criticism you have of his game stage, he's still giving you 18 and 10 on 60% shooting from the field. Yeah, honestly, like like eight, no, that's nearly 2010 with 60% shooting. That That is fabulous. When I was driving, I was thinking about uh, Chris Paul and Tyson Chandler. And I, honestly, De- DeAndre Ayton is a souped up. Tyson Chandler, when you really He's think Tyson about Chandler it. with with shooting potential. Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, like my favorite times watching basketball in my life was Chris Paul running the pick and roll with Tyson Chandler and David West spotting up and Paige Stojakovic, you know, out, out stretching. So it's like 
I I fully believe that Scoot Henderson can, you know, empower him just like Chris Paul did to Tyson. But the, the thing about Chris Paul is he's kind of a grumpy, grumpy guy. You have a totally different personality type. Like Aiden didn't really mesh well with Chris Paul. And I bet it's because of his annoying attitude. I don't think Scoot Henderson has that. And I think that that, that the, the abilities are very similar, especially in vision and passing. I think that those two are very similar. But the fact is that he has an attitude. And he, you know what? Scoot's probably going to have to respect him because he is a veteran. He max contract veteran. He's He's older. He's been in the game. I think that Scoot's going to be able to, you know, be more humble than the point God, Chris Paul. So I, I, I kept thinking of just a souped up uh, Tyson Chandler and Chris Paul running pick and rolls. I, th- I think that what I would like to see is just the attitude has to be like Scoot Henderson. If, if you can put Deandre Ayton and just mesh him with the mentality of attack, attack, attack of Scoot Henderson, that's going to be great. I think that I, I, I really don't have any real worries about Scoot Henderson but I'm no. no, I'm terrified of the potential that Chauncey Billups could do because he hasn't shown the ability to empower bigs. I mean, like really, he, he the only time he's gotten it was Nurk, and I think he did the opposite of empowering. He made him feel like he was sacrificing his own for the team, and I don't think that DeAndre Ayton is gonna appreciate that as well. Like he wants to feel involved and important. What I've seen from Chauncey Billups is just that he doesn't do that. So I think it's going to be extra important on Scoot. And I think that having a vet like Jeremy Grant is going to be important too. So those two can be like, yo, we, we've been through this. Let's help. Let's help this team. So I, I'm really excited to see what Scoot can do. I mean, Jeremy Grant doesn't do what David West does, but you know what those both do? They hit, they hit their shots. So, like, they can really create a really nice pick and roll out of it. And I'm really starting to think that we're going to just run a four-out-one-in four scheme because Aiton should really only be the in that starting five. Aiton should be the one setting picks, rolling to the basket. Obviously, when, you know, the bench goes in, the scheme is probably going to be changed a little bit. But when I first see it, it's like, okay, all of these guys on the perimeter can shoot at some high clip at something, whether it's mid-range pulls by Scoot, Jeremy can hit threes, Shaden can hit. Like, I think we leave that paint open for the big man rolling down the middle to catch lobs and finish. Do Especially you... with a lot of teams going small, take advantage of the height and athleticism that Aiton provides. The key that I want to see, obviously motor is one, but if, if one B, if he gets an increased role, how does he how does he improve as a, a playmaker? Because that's one Do thing. Do you think that... he's going to be, because Chauncey's scheme is very, give it to the center at the top of the key, make him make a decision. Do you think that Aiton can do that? We haven't seen. Like, yeah. we, we, right? We haven't well, Chris seen. Paul and Booker. You, you don't know, but you have probably the best young off-ball player in the game in Shaden Sharp. Like, nobody is right now, I, I think, better at moving without the ball than Shaden Sharp. I and mean, we looked at a trend Watford basically eight when he played with 
with Shade and just watching him go back door, you know, making defenses have to think that you're going to take it to the hole. And there's Shade out of nowhere, you know, catching his defender napping. You know, he's going to have opportunities. You can kick it out to Amferny for open threes. Jeremy Grant can stretch the floor and, and shoot threes. Chris Murray, who, if we're looking down the line, I'm really excited to play alongside uh, DeAndre Ayton, has the ability to spread the floor and, and shoot the three. So there are a lot of weapons to space the floor, make the defense think not just that the whole team's going to stand behind the arc, but you've got guys like Shaden who can cut to the court. Uh, Scoot's a really solid off-ball player as well. So... That's my big thing. Like, I think that's the all, the other key to unlocking DeAndre Ayton. And that's what the great centers earn. I, I think they're key. If you look, look at Jokic, for example. Yeah, the post bit beautiful, playmaker. Beautiful playmaker. And if DeAndre is able to create for others, and that makes him feel empowered, that that's going to be a match made in heaven. Because I don't want DeAndre just to only feel empowered or feel good when he's getting 15, 20 shots a night, because I think there needs to be more of an even distribution. But if just being a bigger role in the offense tickles his fancy, I think this could be a good situation uh, because we have time to work all, all of these, you know, wrinkles out. We're, we're not yeah. trying to compete right now. We're just trying to develop and see what we have. So we can be ready to pounce in three, four five years when we've got those extra picks and assets coming that can really push us over that proverbial hump. So do you think that when I think about Aiden, would you rather him be an average playmaker or a above average three? Like if you can playmaker, we have a three point shooting. I, I'm not a huge fan of my center shooting threes. If they can do it once in a while, fine. That's not where games are won. Like I, Jokic showed, yes, Jokic can hit three, but Jokic does his work down low, does his work, does his work everywhere. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis can hit a three, but you you want him down low. You, he can make passes from the high post. Like, this team right now, if you're projecting, this would be my projection of what I would want to see. You would have Scoot, Shaden, Matisse, Jeremy, DeAndre with Anthony as your sixth man. There's not a lot outside of Scoot. There's not a lot of passing in, in that group. Portland needs no. passing. I think playmakers, I know I know shooting is is the soup du jour in the analytical NBA of today, but playmakers will never go out of style. And I think they're more rare to come across. So if, especially if you can get your seven foot big to do a little bit of playmaking, that, that's going to open things up so much more than if you can do DeAndre Ayton pick and pop and you're just extending that, what, five feet? Like, I think if DeAndre can just hit the foul line jumpers, that's all you really need. I want that big fellow staying around the rim, getting those offensive rebounds, those putbacks, those lobs. Like, we have enough, we have enough, I think, shooting with our guards and Jeremy and Chris um, that I, I want DeAndre, like, you need some offensive balance. And if he can provide that passing, which I think we sorely need, uh, sign me up for that. So I'm kind of the exact opposite of you because I know that Scoot and I know that Shaden need to have an open paint. So if the fact, if he can be a threat from the three point line, I think that that matches what I think the scheme is of two feet in the hoop penetration and then kicking out. I, I think that what you're describing is more him actively doing it. What I want is passive spacing from him because if he's a threat to shoot a three, that also opens up everything for everybody else. 
but I think that we're I hear just... you, but like he did play with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's the the master of the mid range. Scoot loves the mid range, so CP didn't have any problems getting off his mid range, working the the two man game with DeAndre, and I think that's that's okay. And also, we saw in summer league where the court is completely condensed because there's just not a lot of lack. There's a lack of talent in. But it's just, Scoot, Scoot also was still, Scoot was still able to get to any spot he wanted. I don't think he's going to, especially if you have three or four other shooters on the court. I don't think he's going to muck it up. Um, but Phoenix ran a killer offense with with DeAndre not shooting three, so that's the only reason why it's like it's not a must have for me. If if he does it, great. But I don't. It's not a must for me. Well, I, I think that Chris, nice work. I think that Chris utilizes his midi because he can't get to the coop as much as he i mean new orleans chris got to the hoop quite a bit i want to see i want to see scoot henderson open paint do his thing i i think i i legitimately think that passing or shooting you're you're resulting in added space on the court whether it's off it's shade and utilizing an off ball or you know the the center has to you know, be out there to defend DeAndre Ayton. And then, you know, if they put like, you know, a athletic four on him, he posts him up. But I think that what we're doing is trying to make it easier for Scoot and Shaden to do their thing. And that type of thinking, I think, is very, very important. to Because we, I think we did a very, very, very bad job of trying to make things work for Damian Lillard in this position. So if Ayton is here to help Scoot's vet, uh, development, I, I'm all about it. But I, I really do think that he's going to help Sh- uh, Scoot mostly with, especially defensively. I mean, offensively, I think it could be really, really uh, explosive. But I think defensively, having somebody like DeAndre Ayton to shut down penetration from your guards, that's going to be, I mean, I know Hassan was our last shot blocker, but Hassan's much different than DeAndre Ayton, especially with his uh, Ayton's ability to move. I'm really excited to see what an inspired DeAndre Ayton can do defensively with this team. Like we got Matisse, we got Chris Murray, we got Jeremy Grant. I think Shaden could be a really good defender. Scoot's going to try his ass off. We have good defenders now. So it's time to really put pressure on our coaching staff to create a good defense with all of these tools. Terry Stotts never had these tools defensively to make an impact play. We have player playmakers defensively and offensively. Yeah, we're going to suck this these first few years, but we can lock up. We have the potential to lock up defensively, and I, I don't remember ever ever saying such things like this on, on this podcast. We could lock them up. Nah. Let's look at the, the draft capital that Portland has so far. Clearly, they could add more for Drew Holiday. And I think why it's so important, it's you really have three years of controlling the Milwaukee Bucks franchise, right? You have it outright in addition to your own pick in 2029, but you can basically say, we want your pick if it's better than ours in mm-hmm. 2028. And the 2030 it doesn't matter if it's the first, second, third, fourth, fifth pick. It doesn't matter. You are going to be in control of that. Giving the aging roster of the Bucks their lack of being a free agency destination. They don't have a lot of young talent in the pipeline, and they don't have really many assets to go out and and 
make that happen in the near future either. And I know people are thinking, oh, God, 2028, that's five years from now. You have to, if you are a small market like Portland and you're trading a franchise phenom like Damian Lillard, you have to kind of take a risk in your own sense and, and say, I'm betting on Milwaukee being one of the five worst teams five mm-hmm. years from now, mm-hmm. seven years from now, six years from now, right? The beauty, there is a, there it is, it is a hundred percent roulette roll. It is a mm-hmm. spin of that wheel, whether it's going to land on black or red, because five years ago in 2018, nobody really cared about a 2023 first round draft pick. Who would have known Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama mm-hmm. would have been crown jewels of that draft class. Even two years ago, teams were not moving off of those 2023 picks because they knew that was the Wemby draft. That's mm-hmm. the Scoot draft. You're going to see the same thing happen in 2025 because Cooper flag uh, reclassified and he's the number one high school kid in America. And he's got that. He's got the next type right mm-hmm. there. This is the Cooper draft. So people are already talking about that. You don't know who the 2028 class is going to be 2029, 2030. It could be a bust, but it could be boom. Mm-hmm. And if you're Portland, you have to get in on the ground floor early, right? Because you're not going to be, if, if it's a great class, you're not going to be able to all of a sudden go out and get 2028 picks. If it's an awesome class, teams are going to hold on to that for dear life, just like they did in 2023 and like they're probably going to do in 2025. So it is the ultimate high low uh, moment for the Blazers because not only are you projecting your own roster to be good, but I mean, just, just think of that Sage, even if you don't want a rookie, but there's a, a vet on a bad team and the bad team wants to rebuild, what do you know? You can yeah. add that, that crown jewel piece, your Buck Williams, to finally get you over the, the the hump. And it's not just for one year. It's for three years. They're likely going to add more from Drew, a potential Drew Holiday trade. Uh, and so finally, finally, the, the Blazers will have multiple assets the last time they were able to be in this position was god 2017 mm-hmm. when they had some cap space they took on Verja from the Cavs. they got the Cavs pick uh they they traded mason Plumley. they got nurk in a pick they had three picks in a loaded draft i mean 2017 is going to go down as one of maybe the top 10 drafts of all time portland missed on those picks but they had the opportunity. They had the opportunity to swing. Get it right, and that's that's yeah. all you're ever, all you should ever ask for is the opportunity mm-hmm. to get it right. And you know, I really, if we had Mike Schmitz back then, we wouldn't be talking about a Damian Lillard trade today. No, yeah, and and if we're projecting Scoot to be amazing, we're projecting Shaden to be amazing. There's no chance that in 2025, 26, 27. We're gonna have a good first round pick. If what the projections are, the only chance we get of having a crown jewel first round pick is the Milwaukee Bucks. And taking a bet on an old ass team to continue to stay old because of Milwaukee isn't a fun city. And I don't know the last free agent. Is Jeff Teague their best free agent? Like maybe. And he he signed, but Atlanta matched. So I don't even know the last great free agency pick that they got, or free agency player they got. So what they're doing, this is their last chance at anything great. 
if they win a chip, that's awesome. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth but it. You know what? I like the long term thinking of these dudes are old. They're old today. They're going to be even older. Like Brolo's going to be gone. Uh, Middleton's gone. It's going to be a very, very old dame who has had a lot of miles. They might be gone if we're being honest. It might be Giannis and and oh, it might be months. it might be an aging Giannis and whatever assets they get from yeah. trading Giannis. If if he's like I said, I don't believe his game is going to age unless he it's not going to age jump crazy. shot. Yeah, yeah. So he's 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 a power forward version of Russell Westbrook, a certified Hall of Fame player who is a former MVP, an NBA champion, one of maybe the ten or fifteen greatest players of all time. But his window is not going to be as long as someone as a LeBron or a Steph Curry because they have skills that allow them to stay in the, in the league at a, at a longer age and like so. we're th- Giannis is a good playmaker for his size but all of it all of his skills are predicated on the fact that he is a absolute demon athletically like i think that he is a good passer but it's predicated on power dribbles getting into the paint and then kicking it i think that he mentally can play the game but it's all based on the fact that he is bigger stronger faster than every We're person already he's... seeing the milwaukee books realize this too sage like yeah. he wasn't able even 75 percent Giannis or or whatever like he struggles in the half court in late playoff games that's why they went out and they got damian lillard to take those shots to uh open up the offense uh, it, it's a risk for Milwaukee. They they take a step back defensively, a significant sure. one. Yeah, but now they're able to operate in the offensive uh, flow. I think much more much more smoothly. But back to to Drew Holiday, put, putting Drew in that position to take those free throws to I, to win that game or eliminate them. If Damian Lillard was in that position, he's making both. I think I texted you. Drew isn't built for this. He's gonna miss. So <laughs> it's kind of odd to see all of the the early rumblings about Drew Holiday, and I feel like the market is hotter for him than it is for than it was for Damian Lillard. And it could he's be more attainable. For, it it could be for a, a myriad of reasons, right? Yeah, he he's attainable. He has less money on his contract, less years. You don't have to fit him into the flow of your offense. He's kind of plug and play defensively. Uh, you probably don't have to give up as much to get him. Uh, he didn't give uh, just one team that he wanted to play for, and other teams were maybe worried that he wouldn't show up for camp. Awesome um, culture guy, too. Yeah, Unbelievable. I mean, he, he kind of just fits in and could be that final piece. So I don't know if you've had a chance to. I've kind of thought about what teams would make sense for Drew Holiday and what teams have the assets that Portland is is looking for. H- have you given that any thought? I feel like I feel like the teams out east that – our competitors have to be looking at him like the Sixers. James Harden's gone. If you replace him with with a Drew Holiday, and James Harden's under contract, so he's yeah. still a six. They have to find a deal for him, or they're bringing him back. So that that could be messy. I think that the Heat replacing Drew with Kyle Lowry, or replacing Kyle Lowry with Drew, would be a good one. Like. I think Drew would be a good fit there culture-wise because of his heart and hustle. And I i mean, I know Drew. Like, he doesn't want to be the guy with the ball in his hands. That's just not what he wants. I remember in New Orleans when 
they had Tim Frazier being the point guard and on bench minutes, Drew had to be it. And he was telling them, put Anthony Davis on the ball. I want to be off the ball. So the fact that he is an off the ball player, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam out of bio. They all have like 20% usage rate. They are going to take the ball in their hands and make decisions. He's going to play great defense and be a, a, a great culture guy. I think yeah. he, that would be a good heat pickup. I don't love Philly for Portland's perspective only because it requires taking back Tobias Harris. I know he's an expiring, but are you, we already have Jeremy too. Yeah. Are you going to play him? And I don't want unnecessary wins for this team at the expense of a developing, mm-hmm. uh, developing other players. And also they only have one pick that they could give up. So I, I don't love that. Miami is a team that popped top of mind. I mean, if you want to essentially give us the same package you wanted for Dame, I'll take those 28 and 30 unprotected picks. Give us Lowry, Hawkes, and whatever needs to be mm-hmm. uh, added to uh, make salary work because, you know, I'm, I'm really in it for, for the picks and the expiring deals. Um, Kyle would be a great vet for students. Yes, Lowry would be a great vet. Also, uh, two weeks ago when Colorado was playing Colorado State, uh, Chauncey Billups was in attendance as a Colorado alum. He was in a press box speaking with Kyle Lowry, which the ESPN cameras caught on 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 live live television. So that that that's interesting just to throw out there. Uh, I keep seeing hearing Boston. I want really no part of Boston because those picks are going to be doo-doo. It's like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are young as hell. Chris Stapps too. I don't I, I I trust Brad Stevens to always write that ship. Um, they're, they're gonna be good for a long time. Those picks are just not gonna be worth it unless they want to just pull And we, up. we we don't have the let's just trade Drew to a competitor type thing. We need to get full assets for him. Like, he has assets. no you know, he has okay. no roots here. Three teams that I thought of would make would be intriguing. There's two out east, one out west. We'll start with the Eastern Conference teams. I don't know if Joe Cronin has the appetite to deal with Masai Ujiri anymore. Ooh, that would be cool. But the Raptors really can't decide which lane they want to go in. They're kind of like the Blazers of the past. Um, so you just say, hey, you get to keep Scotty. You get to keep OG. We'll take Gary Trent just for salary purposes. And we'll probably need, you know, maybe Thaddeus Young. But give I us Grady Dick and a pick. You know, you get your young lottery pick who can shoot the ball, space the floor, and you get a lottery pick or you get an unprotected pick down the line. Um, another one, and this is I kind of liken to Portland dealing with Billy King back in 2012. The Chicago Bulls have absolutely no clue what they're doing right now and probably think they should be contending. What if you're able to get your pick back, get another unprotected pick from them, and you take on Lonzo Ball's contract, which you could probably write off medically pretty yeah. soon and get like Alex Caruso. Like, so you're getting essentially two picks and an awesome defensive backup guard who can grow with your team. Uh, And lastly, we've heard that James Harden wants to go to the Clippers, but I actually think Drew Holiday is a much better fit in Los Angeles. They have three reasonable expiring contracts that you can either buy out or keep. Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, and get those 27 and 29 picks from them because... I don't think people are going to flock to play for the Clippers. Um, Kawhi and PG are, I mean, this is their last draw. Like just like Milwaukee, I think those picks could be extremely valuable mm-hmm. uh, down the road. And then you would really control drafts from 27 to 30 and save 
just a crap ton of money and be able to maybe take on salary and get more picks, essentially doing what the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing. So for Drew, I need a mandatory of two, a minimum of two picks. I'll take one if I'm getting a a lottery pick back, like like a Grady Dick. I I would roll the dice on Dick with. So what was the Raptors one again? I it would if if they want to keep OG, which all reports say the Masai Ujiri is like married to this guy. Yeah, he OG has has to be Gary Trent on eighteen million dollar expiring deal, and then probably like Thaddeus and Otto Porter. They make fourteen million dollars combined, both expirings. And how old know, is Thaddeus? I think he was he my guy. Out. He was drafted in 07, freshman from from Georgia Tech. So he's he's old he's up there in age. And he's yeah. going to change our median age pretty pretty drastically, <laughs> huh? But it would be all about Grady and the thing. If you can get, yeah. I also do like Miami. I I know Miami is a free agency destination, but Pat Riley is also in his seventies. I don't know how much. I think Pat Riley's dream. Off ball guard is Drew Holiday too. And if you're Miami, if you're Jimmy and Bam, you need to be blowing up Pat's phone and saying, "What the ever loving yeah. hell are you doing right now?" You let Max Struess and Gabe Vincent walk, and you had an you had a top seventy five player of all time in his prime, begging and pleading to play for your franchise. All you had to do was play a little bit of ball with Joe Cronin, and I think he could have overlooked the. Aaron Goodwin power play of Miami or bust. If he would have came to the table with two picks, two swaps, give us, give us Jovich, Hawkes and expiring salaries. I think it could have got done. I really do. But because you start talks with Tyler hero and two picks and you think that's good enough because you're Pat Riley. I think it rubbed Joe the wrong way. And he was like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to get power played by Aaron Goodwin and Dame Lillard. And uh, we'll find uh suitors elsewhere and that's what they did but now miami is in dire straits because if you're looking just preseason i know it's preseason and i know they performed above expectations in the postseason last year but milwaukee and boston philly already looked better than them Mm -hmm. um it could be say they maybe caught lightning in a bottle during that playoff run because they lost a lot of key talent from that 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 uh that core and they're not. I don't feel it. like they replenished it either. That's they the didn't. thing. They didn't. Hawkes was really the only addition that they had uh, this season. I guess you could say they're getting Tyler Hero back because he wasn't there for the. And Jovic's actually going to have a role this year, but no, I, I think out of the 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 teams that we talked about, I think number one for me is Toronto if we can get that deal, because I really do think Grady Dick would be perfect for Scoot. Um. I think, yeah, uh, it's tough between the Heat and the Clippers, but I I I think it's Toronto, Miami, Clippers, and then the Bulls for me and what I like. I I mean, I think it will be really cool to have our pick back from Chicago, but it's not necessary. It's not necessary at all. It's kind of like a luxurious thing, whereas I think Grady Dick would kind of be perfect for what we're trying to do. So... I mean, if if we if, and I feel like Drew Holiday would help them pick a direction. Like you get, you Pascal Siakam can still have like a thirty percent usage rate. OG can do OG things. Drew, like that's probably going to be the best defense in the league. All of those long lengthy lanky dudes plus Drew Holiday. 
that I mean, they go back right back into solid playoff. And I mean, isn't that the goal? You don't want to, you didn't want to trade uh, Pascal. You didn't want to trade OG. So it, now it's really time to focus on winning again for Toronto. So I think that's where I would go. But I mean, Right, it it, just, it doesn't make sense. I know people keep talking about, oh, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have Drew around with Scoot in like, I think if this was fantasy land, three years. Is it three, or yeah, is it? He's got a player option after this year. He's he he can just leave. Like he 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 can. He's decline. too good to leave without anything. In my, so I think the iron is hot right now for the Drew Holiday market. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to react to Dame going to Milwaukee mm-hmm. and saying, we need to load up. This is the guy that can, this is Dame's kryptonite, so to speak. We we need to get him. If there, there are two major downsides, I think, to keeping Drew Holiday. The first is he could get injured and just completely derail his, his. He's salad. old. He's old. He could also perform pretty poorly and people are like, oh, that's not the Drew Holiday I remember. And so lastly, Drew would be the. And lastly, he he could win you too many games, and he gets done for the development. Like, are you benching Ant and Shaden? Like, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? Like, is there, there's too many guards. There's too many mouths. We we, we just fixed the fact that we have too many guards. We don't need to reintroduce yeah, the fact there's... that we have too many guards. Like, Drew Holiday would screw up Anthony Simon's development. You're going to play Drew Holiday over him. He's the best defender defensive guard in the league sorry marcus smart drew's the best yeah, he is and in yeah. in dame's prime a couple years i would have loved to have had drew holiday he like, was he put prime damian lillard in a fucking box but there's just there's just no use for him like the blazers don't want to go out there and win like 45 games next year like so i know I, I would also like to put into the fact that drew there's other players that can be the mentor for scoot it doesn't have to be Drew Holiday. Also, Drew Holiday is an off-ball guard. He's not a point guard. He never has been. He's he moves robotically. He's not going to help Scoot. Dame's mentors were Ronnie Price and Earl Watson. I yeah, think you but, find that level of player. George Hill and fucking. If we wanted to get Kyle Lowry, that'd be great. I I don't I don't think that you need to have an elite guy be the mentor. It's just about like sharing of information you don't need to have an elite guy to be the sharer of information he just has to play so i i think the the drew as a mentor isn't really a th- nba 2k sure i would love it i would love to give scoot some badges but in real life i think that is you're 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 asking for too much mentorship wise Drew Holiday can still play and help a team win. We should take those resources that we can get from trading Drew Holiday. All right, I think but that... I mean it does. It does feel fun to say that Drew Holiday is a Blazers legend, but I do. I... Wraps you... this episode up. Um, we will do another post or another episode, I'm sure, for, for Dame. Uh, we'll definitely do one once the, the trade has been announced, hopefully, for, for, for Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got Media Day and we got Fan Fest. Uh, preseason is going to be starting. Like, we're a month away calendar wise from opening night against Orlando. Um, 
I, I I tweeted this out, but like I told you, Sage, our our rising stars package, 10 games, it was the cheapest of the bunch. We just wanted to see the Blazers that go up against a bunch of other young studs. Mm. And for whatever reason, the Milwaukee Bucks were added in that package. So we completely hit the jackpot with that game being in the, the package. Uh, so yeah, we you'll hear you'll hear from us. Uh, the dog days of summer are are what they are, and there was, you know, we didn't want to record just to record. But now we got some news, and we got the season get ready to tip off, and it's an exciting time to be a a Trailblazer fan. So, uh, Sage, let our listeners know where they can find us. Well, first I have to say, if you are in the Medford, Oregon area. The 30th anniversary of the Medford Multicultural Fair will be taking place in the Pear Blossom Park in Medford, Oregon. We are going to have entertainment. We're going to have this tile project that uh, all the tiles were donated in kind. So come to the Medford Multicultural Fair in Pear Blossom Park, design yourself a tile, and then see it get put on a wall in the Santos Center in Medford, Oregon. So, yes. You, we are available on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast. Everywhere where you find your podcast, we are there. I'm definitely going to have to cut this one up. So we are on IG. We are on TikTok as well. Everywhere that you look for media and you see other podcasters do their thing, we are going to be there as well. So, you know, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Five-star review. Good review. We would appreciate that very much. Thank you so much for listening to us. We are out of here. I have to give my mom's office back to her so she can watch her Hallmark stuff. So peace out, everyone. Talk to you later. All right, man. Later. I'll text you.